1: We just spent a weekend away from each other for the first time in a, uh, since you were in Rhode Island, I guess, right? Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. It felt unnatural. <laughs> it didn't feel right.
0: Well, I'm glad that you guys had fun. Um, <laughs> it looked cute. It but... was
1: fun. We just were constantly like, where's our girly? We're yeah. like, did we lose her? Oh, that's right. She's not here. What the fuck is that, that about? <laughs> <laughs> that's cute. <laughs>
0: Mistakes Ow I don't think I would have been too much fun I definitely like hit my wall after Friday And like this weekend was just like remote No one was home Yeah You are like <laughs> I was out partying but I was not present <laughs>
1: <laughs> You weren't home and neither were was anyone in New York Yeah <laughs> You weren't home like in your noggin And we weren't home like yeah. in New York City <laughs> You had like a staycation away from your friends. I did have a staycation
0: away from my friends. It was actually kind of interesting. Yeah, I was hanging out with like Elisa's friends oh, uh, on Saturday in New York. Um, we were like all sweet and cool, but I definitely was like, where are my friends? <laughs> um, uh, well, yeah.
1: we were missing you. That's where we were.
0: <laughs> um, well,
1: thank God we have next week. I we think. have literally 10 days of not being apart. So Yeah. Yeah, and Kiwi and I were like, oh, uh, we just spent this whole weekend together, and now we're probably going to spend all week in in New York this week together because our friends are visiting from out of town, and then we're spending 10 days in Vermont together, and we're like, when is the fight going to happen? See, I'm smart. (laughs) I have been thinking
0: about all this, because Kiwi really was like, "My Kiwi, for everyone listening on the pod, our friend Kiwi loves to do this thing, which is sometimes endearing, but most of the time makes me want to go postal, (laughs) where when you don't want to do something that Kiwi really wants to do do he just tries to make you feel the most immense fomo in the world yeah. and so he was doing that for this fire island fire island weekend and it just like wasn't working for me <laughs> usually i want to be everywhere that i'm invited but this weekend i was like it's like, you know, I had prior plans and I was like, we got invited like right before the weekend. So there was like no, there was no time for me to build it up in my head. And then feel like FOMO. And feel it. FOMO about yeah. it. And then on top of that, I was like, we're also going away next week for 10 days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In another state. So like, maybe I should just take the weekend off <laughs> <laughs> and like, you guys go have fun and I'll just like have my weekend not around my besties so that. Next weekend is just a true joy. Yeah. And then I'm not sick of anyone. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I, the only person that I could possibly be sick of next week, because I just had a break from you. Yeah. We've had a long break from River and Alex, our yes. Asheville besties. So it will just be Kiwi. It will literally <laughs> just be Kiwi. And he and I are very good at fighting with each other. We get over it very quickly. So that. hopefully it's it'll be fine. I love that. Um, also, we, it's possible we, we, we won't fight, but I wouldn't it bet money on it. Yeah, I mean,
0: I wouldn't either, but <laughs> it is possible. It's
1: possible. Anything's <laughs> possible. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, you were missed. Fire island was a doozy. A uh, freaking like the I I do not envy the people that were at Fire Island this weekend who also have New York Pride next weekend mm. because there's all of like that group of friends. There's a lot of people that don't live in New York and because they were there for Fire Island, they're like here all week. Yeah. And then doing New York Pride. So that group of friends is going to party for like 2 weeks uninterrupted yeah i mean they're
0: like they do that i don't know how they do it they do that for um like a lot of the people that are here from atlanta will do that for fall gathering in tennessee and then immediately leave go, to atlanta, go to atlanta pride they're trying to get us to do that this yeah, year no, and I'm like,
1: asking me to do that
0: and i'm like, like no Nart. i keep being like yeah maybe but like <laughs> it's a hard no no
1: bestie no <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, not,
0: I'm not going from camping and doing drugs every day in the woods to, to Atlanta Pride, pride. Uh,
1: and not just it like not just that it's Pride, but it's Pride in a city that we're like not all that yeah. familiar with, and will still be like really hot that time of year, and it's just it's a whole thing. I also just
0: like don't let and like whatever i know <gasps> nika how i don't like pride anymore i just <laughs> really like i'm no, so glad that we're we gonna celebrate be in pride
1: every weekend yeah, all like, of our friends are gay exactly. and, we, and we
0: parade through the streets <laughs> but like actual pride i don't yeah i just don't like especially now that like you know i'm now it's been five years but being like an out woman i fucking hate pride yeah was at carrie nation what last weekend just a sea of cock and balls. Uh, Cis co- cock yeah. and balls. If it,
1: were, if it was girl cock and balls. That would be great. <laughs> Lay it on me. But also
0: it'd be like a lot of like cat ears and circle skirts. <laughs> <maybe not. laughs> if
1: right.
0: it were like chic girl cock and balls.
1: <laughs> wow. Uh, for the record, that's Nika's <laughs> opinion. She does not, not speak Anya's. for the pod. <laughs>
0: not Anya's. Any, any um, crazy opinion that I put out here on the pod is mine and mine only. Unless Anya says that it's also hers. We don't want Anya getting canceled <laughs> for my homophobia and trans misogyny. Yeah. But you know. we uh, can cancel me. <laughs> me and Joe Rogan would get along real well.
1: <laughs> you can be like, we did it, Joe. <laughs> <So> <laughs> we start dating. We're, we're both transphobic. <laughs> Um. He, oh my God, you and Joe Rogan dating. I mean, it would work because he needs, he's so short. He needs someone shorter than him. How short is he? He's like 5'7 or something, oh, which yeah, is not that, that short, no, that's but for, short. for the persona that he puts out, it's short.
0: I dated a 5'7 guy once. That makes sense. Yeah. Never I mean, again. it really
1: explains a lot about him, TBH. Yeah. A real, like, they're going to, once he's dead, <laughs> um, <laughs> they're going to, like, replace the Napoleon complex with the Joe Rogan yes. complex. Absolute, IMO. Um, but yeah, anyway, <laughs> I really am surprised at how I like really just went on a fire island bender and I'm surprised at how not hungover I am. I think it's because I just did like psychedelics and didn't really drink. Mm. And I know that there's still a hangover with psychedelics, but no, like, not sense. as bad.
0: Yeah, I never have like a physical hangover if I just use psychedelics. It's like an emotional
1: drink. hangover sometimes. But I yeah. was I made sure to like take it easy yesterday and drink a lot of water and just kind of like s- just chill on the beach and recharge. So because I was like. I'm not trying to be that hungover before whatever is in store for us in Vermont, yeah, not trying to deplete my dopamine too too much before tapping right on into it with um assistance. yeah, I know I feel the same way <laughs> Anyway, sticks, keepsakes sticks and
0: hot um, okay, let's see. Keepsake, I'll start with first. Definitely uh, Cody's birthday party Friday night. Mm. Um, yeah. So cute. So cute. It was like just the crew, which was nice. Some of no us. No stragglers. No this stragglers. Time. <laughs> um, some of us ate like microdosed on shrooms, including myself, which was like just. A dose.
1: Um, (laughs) I only ate
0: one, but like I was churrit thin. But it was fun. We danced really hard all night, and I.
1: To our lyrical pop to our lyrical jams. P-
0: disco into pop, <laughs> into just like deep cuts. Into like by like four a.m. It was just like Bonnie Raitt and like Pat Benatar <laughs> and like Cindy Lauper and the Cranberries. There, like really... there
1: were, I just I just remembered that there were a couple of people who were not in the crew that were there at the earlier part of the night that left right after we did our unwritten.
0: Oh yeah, and I'm, I'm
1: sure that wasn't why. It wasn't. It- because they actually it was were singing so along to funny it. Yeah. to me that like there is like a few people that are just popping in yeah. and right after we like belt out unwritten they're like so we gotta go yeah this is not the scene no I did see them singing along yeah. too well yeah. <laughs> I was like well this is how we party here <laughs> don't know what you were looking for but yeah it was definitely um
0: a lot of fun and also like the friends who always leave first were the three to stay pretty much. The latest. Yeah, and then
1: I left first, and yeah. I usually stay the latest. Yeah,
0: Pierce, Sam, and Lincoln didn't leave until like five-something in the morning. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it was cute. Aww, um besties. Yeah, I it was them. nice. That was a fun, fun time. Um, my mistake, it's not really my mistake, it is a mistake <laughs> that actually happened to me, Um, I was, like, officially, having officially ghosted by a man that I went on a hot date with and fucked, um that I was, like, excited about. I thought it was gonna be, like, a hot, fun summer dalliance. The, the um, guy
1: that you were, like, thinking about in- introducing to the crew and yeah, stuff? Yeah,
0: the guy, Andre. What the fuck? So I, okay, that name is cursed. I, it's cursed. I am no longer going on, and, you know, I knew this, too, before <laughs> I went on the date with him, but I was like, that's dumb, Nika. I'm no longer going on dates with guys named Andre anymore. Yeah, fuck that. Um, Sometimes you
1: just have to cut a name off. I'm And it sucks because it's such a sexy
0: name. Yeah, it's kind um, of like,
1: it's kind of like Zodiac signs where you're like, it doesn't really mean anything and then one too many you're like okay that's it for Virgos
0: yeah it's um (laughs) also like the worst part is that he could have like just if he had just ghosted me it would have been one thing but he strung
1: it along
0: not only that he So if anyone is not familiar with Field, it's um, like a hookup and dating app. And it's uh, the annoying part about it is that when someone unmatches you, you see it and you get a notification that says this human disconnected from you. So I saw that last night. After we'd already been texting like a few weeks ago when he was in Italy. Yeah, so I'm like, not only did you do that knowing that I would see it, you have my number and we haven't been talking on the app because you gave me your number and told me to only text you because you don't like using the app. Maybe he
1: just deleted the app.
0: No, it said that he... It'll say that they terminated their account. Oh. Yeah. And I'm like, Hmm. I mean, even if he... Even if he just deleted the app, I won't ever know because I deleted his number immediately so that I wouldn't be able to text him.
1: I love that for um, you.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs>
1: maybe next retrograde he'll reach out. And he'll be yeah, like, maybe. This? And you'll have really hot sex. We'll
0: see. It's fine. I mean, Cooper's still texting me, so <laughs> I have that going for me.
1: She's still got hotties in the circulation. Yes.
0: And so is uh for the other guy that I hooked up with. So like, I do, okay, have, guys. Whore.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do have guys in the circulation who are hitting me up. Um but yeah, so that was the mistake that happened to me. Fuck that. I hate
1: that. Yeah.
0: Um If I
1: ever see if I ever meet any Andre, even if it's not <laughs> him, it's on sight. <laughs> <laughs> I am backhanding them.
0: Oh my lord. Um and then shit. What was my hot take I just had it? Um Well, oh. My hot take after waiting in line this weekend for a party in New York is that I know like we're all sold this idea and listen, I believe it in a lot of ways that like partying in Manhattan is like a lot glamour and chicer, and like more fun and like going to the parties there is like, it depends, but it's going to be like way cooler people. Um, I've
1: never felt that way But I understand what you're saying
0: A lot of people do I have felt that way I like to party in Manhattan It is fun I love partying in Brooklyn too But when I party in Brooklyn You know It's a lot of like Queers and Dolls Kill outfits And then like When I party in Manhattan It's a lot of like Straight people in better outfits Mm. In my experience Sure Or in my bitchy opinion (laughs) Um And so I I like equally
1: bad outfits from just different brands (laughs) and a different style. But I know what you mean. So
0: I like it for that reason. But after waiting in line for this party that I waited in line for and it was like hot and cool because, you know, like we knew like one of the hosts and like our friend like got us in and like that was cool. Um, But as soon as I got in, I was like, wait a minute. Like, why am I here? Like, it was just the people were actually not cool. Um and it was a lot of like uh little groups of people sitting on couches and like doing coke and I was like that is hot and cool but like I could have done that in Brooklyn <laughs> like at Fossa.
1: and not wait in line for yeah, it and
0: not wait in, you, you know <sighs> yeah it was almost like waiting in line to get a net mood ring which I will never do but people apparently do that Oh my god the longest line in Brooklyn it's and it's happening every weekend yeah. um so my hot take is both that parties and Manhattan are not inherently cooler than parties in Brooklyn and also that waiting in lines at parties should have died with the pandemic like Mm -hmm. I don't ever want to wait in line for a party I didn't like it before no and I don't like it now yeah Um, and I'm especially a brat about it because coming from a city like Providence where I was like an annoying you know me and Cat were like annoying big fish and if we just wanted to get into the party we could just cut the line (laughs) You know, you can't do that here unless you're like really famous, yeah. um, and no one knows who I am. So I just like sit in line and think about. You're those like Nika days. from
1: Best Mistakes, yeah. <laughs> the, the hottest podcast in Brooklyn. You're
0: like, wait, wait, oh wait, yeah, 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 come in, come,
1: come in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: I mean, my <laughs> uncle did tell me that if you ever want to get into any party, just slip the uh, bouncer or door person a fifty or a hundred dollar bill, and they'll let you in. But he's also a man, so yeah. I, like, I think if I did that, it would not work for me. Um, yeah, who knows? But. No. All right, well, you know what? Maybe we should, yeah, it depends. Well, I'll try it next time. So yeah, those it were my... It seems
1: like a waste of money. Well, that's <laughs> how, well
0: uh, for that, we got into that party and I was like, oh man, come on, really? <laughs> the music was bad. No one was really dancing. It was a lot of people like staring at it with like crazy <laughs> eyes to see who else, was, was anyone cool there? Like, <laughs> crazy
1: clout chasing yeah, coke eyes.
0: And I was like, I'm also on coke, but I'm just trying to dance, which was annoying because we tried to get, we tried to go to Paul's Casablanca, which is like a disco place that I need to go back to. And while we were waiting in line to get in, that was another cloudy place of they're not letting you in unless you know someone who knows someone Mm. fucking I could hear the disco playing on the dance floor it was like Whitney Houston and you know my whole little playlist so I would have much rather been in that but oh well so that's my hot take
1: thank you thank you for trusting us with that (laughs) thank you for having me okay my mistake let's see um I mean, honestly, my mistake just kind of it's general lately is I'm like really overbooking and like double booking myself a lot. Like I'm just having a lot like because of like restrictions lifting and like everyone being able to see each other more like liberally without as much like, you know, we're throwing caution to the wind a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I just have like all these different people that I haven't seen in over a year that I'm trying to like go to their birthdays or just meet up at the park or like go to the, go to a movie or like, you know, just like reconnect. And then I also have the people that I've like, I have been seeing during the pandemic that I don't want to like, I, I hate the idea of like anybody kind of fading out a little bit just because we have more options now. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just, am like, I don't want to do that. And I want to still really prioritize like the besties. Um, so a good example was like Friday I had like, A comedy friend, Luisa Diaz's birthday, and then Cody's birthday in the same night. And I had a great time at both, but at both, I felt like I was like missing part of it. Mm -hmm. And that was just like, I don't know, not even in a FOMO way, but in a like, I want to celebrate with my friend and like really honor them kind of. Thing. And I know that, like, double booking is not specific to post-pandemic, but I feel like it is easier when you haven't just gone over a year without seeing anyone. No, totally. Anyway, I know double <laughs> booking was not specific or is not specific to the post-pandemic, like, uh, frenzy, but I feel like it is, like, more of a problem than ever right now that I'm, yeah. like, being pulled in different directions and feeling like I'm, like either letting people down or missing out on things that I would like to do or whatever. So it's kind of just an ongoing mistake of like letting myself instead of just being like, well, I'm deciding to do this tonight or I'm deciding to do this today. I'm like, we're doing everything. Yeah, (laughs) And um, on Friday, it was fine because I I just ended up not drinking or like getting high in any capacity. Um, So I wasn't like... Like I was just, I I was just socializing and like draining myself that way rather than depleting other resources. But I don't know. I'm curious to see how it plays out. I'm trying to keep an eye on it. I encourage everyone to do the same. Um, You know, protect your own resources. Don't spread yourselves too thin. Reconnect and see your besties. But also like they'll still be there. You can reschedule. I'm saying to myself, but you know, (laughs) anyway, um, another like smaller mistake, not even really a mistake so much as a like almost mistake. (laughs) I did acid on fire Island and I don't really like, I don't usually do a ton of acid. I've done more acid like during this pandemic than I ever have in my life. My keepsake definitely just like the, that trip to Fire Island was really special. I'd never really been to Fire Island um, and, like, generally the reputation of Fire Island is that, like, you know, it's, like, Circuit Gaze and, like, just kind of the West Village or, like, Chelsea in, on an island mm-hmm. and, you know, that time and a place, it's not like I don't enjoy hanging out with those people, um, but it was, like, it had never really called to me to, like, go out there and really just spend an intense, like, immersive amount of time in that scene. Um, but, you know, the people that we went with are not that crew, and we did, like, our own thing. We didn't, like, go out to the Fire Island bars, but we had our own, like, keys, and we just, like, spent time on the beach and, like, not really, like, in the circuit, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was, like, so, so, so lovely, and, like, I'm just, like, realizing that that's the way to do fire Island and not, not like go to fire Island and be like, let's go to the club. Yeah, (laughs) Cause I walked by the club and I was like, Oh no, (laughs) no thank you to everything that's happening over there. Happy for them. They seem like they're having a great time, Mm -hmm. but was not my scene at all. Um, so yeah, keepsake is I definitely want to like prioritize going to fire Island like every summer now. Um, the fact that it's been right the fuck there this whole time and that like rentals are so available they're expensive but you know you split them with friends and it's like not that bad um it was it also like the like the beach at fire island is as if reese beach were a proper beach and not just a beach in front of an abandoned building Mm -hmm. um like a big nice beautiful beach but it has the vibe of reese beach with like just like music and people like having fun and socializing with each other and i'm like oh this is sweet Sucks that there's such a barrier to entry because you need to like be able to get out there in the first place, which means also taking time off of work, which means also like being able to afford a rental with your friends. And like, so it did, it does narrow it down to a very particular type of person, like a very specific socioeconomic bracket, which is a little bit of a bummer. Like what's nice about Reese's speech is that it's like, Fucking everybody's here to party. And Fire Island is very much like, oh, y'all have real jobs. Yeah. Like y'all work on Wall Street. <laughs> Interesting. Um, But, you know, our our little group of um whores, <laughs> we just carved out our own little uh, space there. And it was really, really special. So that was my keepsake. I'm like, damn, I've lived in New York five years and I didn't realize until now that that's like very worth doing. And I plan mm-hmm. on doing it again. Um my hot take. I mean, this is just kind of a hot take that I like have thought about before and haven't really verbalized, but I think it's just kind of a good rule um that I like kept noticing during this trip to Fire Island, which is when someone offers you a drug If you have to kind of, like, think about if you want it or not or if it will go well with the other cocktail that's in your system, the answer is probably, like, no or maybe later. I just kept seeing people be, like, offered, like, I don't know, ketamine or something while they were in the middle of, like, coming up on Molly. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And they, like, would be, like, "Mm," and I could see them hesitate and then they'd be, like, okay. And then I would just see them go into, like, K-holes. And I, I, I was like, it's okay. You could just say later and yeah. do it for the come down, you know? Like, I feel like people, especially right now, because everyone's like partying, they're like, yes, more, more, more. And my hot take is like, babe, if you have to like think about it, just say not right now. Mm-hmm. Enjoy whatever is going on currently in your body if you have a different mix of uh, <laughs> substances going on. fuck up of the week
0: um florida banning critical race theory from their curriculum um yeah so what like 15 states just did that yeah i
1: think yeah something like Um, that i don't remember the exact number yeah
0: i don't even like so from what i've been reading is that critical race theory is not even really like officially being taught in this kind of like basically like a a new like conservative like boogeyman law Mm. where it's like something that's not even actually really being taught in schools like critical race theory from what I've seen online is like something that is taught in like your undergrad or like when you're getting your graduate degree.
1: Right. So it's... So, like, why are you protesting against sixth graders learning it? Yeah,
0: so it's not actually even happening. It's just that...
1: It's, like, banning elementary schools from teaching quantum physics. Yeah. It's like, well, okay. Yeah.
0: Um, Regardless, obviously, it's, like, a huge fuck-up on behalf of these states and these school districts and this country. Like, it's just... um, It's interesting to see, you know, like, the first... um, First year where Juneteenth is like now officially a uh, public holiday, which is like another kind of kind of weird uh, fuck up. Yeah. Big pile of bullshit. Right. It's like
1: not that the fact that they made it a holiday that it's a fuck up. Obviously, that should have been done a long time ago. The fuck up is that they're doing that kind of instead of any real progress. Yeah.
0: It's like when they painted Black Lives Matter in D.C. last year, like on the street while like the mayor was allowing DC police officers like, kick the shit out of protesters. Right. It's
1: like, thanks, bestie. You're really uh, doing nothing out here. We love to see it. Um, Yeah. I mean, obviously, critical race theory is, like, the... I I hate the way it's even really, like, it's one of those things where the name makes it sound like it's some, like, different thing. Like, a, a theory makes it sound like, you know... They're like, well, what? It, like, maybe we could look at it this way, where it's like, really, it's just like history. Yeah, like what actually <clears throat> fucking happened and is happening. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, it's I'm. Somebody had an interesting tweet that was like, um. Juneteenth is finally a national holiday, just in time for like the elementary students to not know why, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) or like not be taught why. Um, and yeah, that's annoying. We hate it. (laughs) I'm like, what do we even? How do we? I guess just get out there and vote, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, at least we have Kamala. Oh, yes, girl boss. Uh... Girl boss. Listener mistakes. So our listener mistake. Um <laughs> this is our new listener mistake sound. <laughs> 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 wheel, 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 wheel. <laughs> listener mistake. Um so our listener mistake is kind of a long one, but it's from one of my dear friends. <laughs> okay, I also just wanna be clear. We're okay with long listener mistakes if they're good.
0: Yeah. Um Just not when it's like just yeah.
1: when it's a lot of like meandering. Okay, I don't want to, I'm not calling anybody specifically out. And also no, no, nobody's done this to an extent where it was actually a problem. It was more like we were starting to really drift towards it becoming a problem if anyone took it a step further. Yeah. But like there was a lot of, you know, a lot of exposition. Yeah, it was a, a bit lot of- like you know,
0: I was reading your Patreon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we loved it. But we were also, both of us are good readers but not like oh I can just read from the page and it comes out like it's my own words
0: Yeah. no also when it's that long I forget what I just read right
1: correct it's more it's it's not you it's It's us us. (laughs) but when I know the person in real life it is a little bit easier for me to read that way because I like know how they talk and stuff so anyway this one I'm okay with how long it is because it's one of my dearest friends and it is like an interesting story um not that any of your stories are uninteresting. You're all beautiful butterflies. You're beautiful snowflakes, and you're getting your participation awards in the in the mail. <laughs> okay, so this comes from my friend, Kate, whom I love so much and listens to every episode. Um, okay, hello, Anya and Nika. I love your podcast so much. I've been wanting to write to you both, but wasn't sure about... Or wasn't sure what about my two-year affair with my married boss, still processing it, completing a journalism degree and realizing I don't want to be a journalist and now find myself stuck in a shitty soul-destroying office job almost 10 years later. Too real. (laughs) But after Anya discussed their friendship breakup, which I was glad to hear has now been rekindled, it got me thinking about my own friendship breakup, which occurred 11 years ago, and we have not spoken to each other since. I want to preface this by saying that I was incredibly anti-certain drugs, hypocritically, I might add, during our friendship and have since learned that what other people do is not my business. And that is none of my business. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was 15, 16, I became friends with a guy. Um, uh, but for the uh, for the pod, we're going to call him Matt. I um, became friends with him on MySpace. I can't remember exactly how we met But we quickly became insanely close friends. Matt was two to three years older than me. He introduced me to so much music, mostly soft boy bullshit like Death Cab for Cutie Mm. and Garden State soundtrack, etc. Films, comic books, and uh, impressionable baby me just lapped it up. We would walk around parks, go to the beach, and just hang out all the time. Maybe a year into our friendship, Matt went off to university in a nearby city to study graphic design and illustration, and I would often say, and I would often stay with him in his halls of residence, and we'd explore the city, go to gigs, smoke weed, and he introduced me to the white powder of the time, um, methadrone. What is that? Methadrone. I don't know. Well, it was the white powder of the time, I guess.
0: I know what methadone is no but methadone isn't a drug that yeah no because methadone just helps you get off drugs okay, it's like a drug that
1: yeah um the, the... This is also in England, so maybe it's okay. like we have a different name for it. Or none of us just, we're, yeah. we're not as hip to drugs as we thought.
0: Yeah, I don't know. How
1: embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I sure. thought we knew all the white powders. Oh my God. I um, thought I'd done them all. <laughs> this is where the hypocrisy comes in. I was very anti-cocaine, co-c- but very pro this, which is basically the same shit, but quote-unquote legal at the time. And is sold as plant food. Oh, interesting. Um, It was apparent that Matt was in love with me or perhaps the manic pixie dream idealized version of me, given his music film choices. It was very um, much the elephant in the room when we would hang out because I wasn't sure if I felt the same way. He was all for getting married and settling down. And I was not um, not even at 18 years old LMAO. But I definitely felt jealous when he would get into relationships, as would he when I did. There was a time when we were both single when I was 19, and I flirted with the idea of us getting together. We kissed, but I couldn't bring myself to have sex with him. He felt like my brother. Ooh, interesting. (laughs) Nika has had that experience recently. (laughs) (laughs) He felt like my brother, and it just didn't feel right. But I did post my feelings on a YouTube video. Um, Wait, I did post my feelings on a YouTube video for... uh, Oh, my God. I do not know what this word is. (laughs) Nika, help.
0: Prosphorescence, I think, is what prosphorescence. I don't know what the fuck that is. Okay, for
1: prosophorescence, full-grown man at the time, which is still there, I only remember when someone replied to the comment at the beginning of this year asking if we were still together. I've attached the comment here for your reference. Oh, my God. Okay, so... The comment said, I just spent the night kissing a boy I've known for three years, but finally realized how in love I am with him to this song. Thank you, Phosphorescent, for bringing us together. And then someone replied, that was 12 years ago. And someone replied four months ago saying, if y'all not in love still, I no longer believe in love. Well, bad news. Thank God. (laughs) Um. A couple of days later I found myself having a cold having cold feet and told him that I didn't think it would be right and we were both better off as friends. Unfortunately, this time um, unfortunately this was timed very poorly on my end because he was visiting his grandfather who was declining in health and sadly passed away while he was visiting. Yikes. When Matt returned, he blamed me for ruining his final moments with his grandfather and we did not speak for a month or so. We made amends, but something had definitely changed. I remember In particular, one of my final visits to him at university and we were at his house at a house party with his friends and someone brought out cocaine and offered it to Matt and myself. I declined and tried to persuade Matt to not try it. I'm still trying to work out what my issue was with it, considering I was snorting something very similar and even said if he took it, I could not be friends with him. He then snorted it and I was really sad. We left the party not long after and argued about it. And in the morning, I traveled home, and we did not speak for maybe a year. Because I'm a Libra and I'm dramatic, I wrote about the demise of our friendship on my Tumblr at the time, not thinking he would see it. Unfortunately, he did. He'd stumbled across my Tumblr as a mutual friend had his Tumblr page cross posting to his Facebook and a question I'd asked him was on his feed and there I was. He sent me a very angry message for putting his personal business out there and we argued. I deleted the post and when he calmed down we agreed to meet for coffee. The coffee was the last time I saw him and it was a and it felt very final. I think we'd both outgrown each other and we knew it and we were awkward around each other and made those vague plans to meet up again that you make but we never did this happened in 2010 we haven't spoken since and he got married and had a baby i'm really happy for him and i have no plans to attempt to rekindle the friendship after reflecting on what happened i think my main mistakes were contacting him and telling him how i felt when he was with his grandfather and my holier than holier than thou attitude to drugs especially for threatening matt with the loss of our friendship over it and that was a bullshit move. And I certainly wouldn't police people's behavior that way now. I will also want to add that I've tried cocaine and wow, do I hate it. <laughs> Much love to you both, Kate. P.S. I still have the Tumblr post saved as a Word doc. <laughs> that's <funny. laughs> Amazing. Um, that's funny. Kate and I met on Tumblr. Um, oh, I love that. Around the same time. So I, I, I do feel like maybe this was a post I read. <laughs> I don't know. Um... Oh, wow. I mean, I feel like we've all had a version of this exact story in some capacity. Yeah. And it's like a harsh reflection in the mirror sometimes to look back on like the the things that upset you about that person and sometimes how bullshit they may have been. Like in this case it was like cocaine use. Yeah. But then also like your own bullshit behavior that you didn't at all recognize. um, Like the grandfather thing or whatever. But yeah. ultimately he sounds like he sucks. So. Yeah. And also it sounded like
0: She was looking, it sounded almost like, I feel like maybe subconsciously was looking for a way out of this in general. Yeah. From like the get. I mean, especially after they had that intimate experience. Right. You know, it's like sometimes your brain does funny things for you. Yeah. When you can't admit it to yourself or you don't know how to get out of a, a relationship.
1: Also, when you're that young, I think we have this tendency to romanticize people to this like, really intense degree Mm -hmm. where like you know maybe you kissed and it felt like he he was your brother but because you guys get along at all like you listen to one love song and you're like oh maybe he is the one Mm -hmm. there's just like all this bullshit that when you're an adult and you actually go out and like see how many people there are in this world that are cool and that you have a connection with you would like not never do this kind of bullshit but it's a lot less, it takes a much more special person yeah. to fall down that rabbit hole the older you get. But at like 19, I mean, for sure, I did that kind of shit where like yeah. somebody who just I actually wasn't in love with, I like spent a lot of energy on them as if I were in love with them just because we like got along.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Just because we like had the same sense of humor. And to be honest, I do still do that, but now for like two months at a time. And then I'm like, oh, never mind. Yeah yeah oh no thank you um i love that that is uh that is actually i've been struggling to think of deep dive mistakes lately and that kind of category of mistake has just opened up a whole new genre that i'm going to get into whenever it's when it's my turn for a deep dive next time all right um but it's not my turn it's yours darling. deep dive deep dive
0: Okay, mine is like I want to keep it short But it's also like It would, I don't know, it'll like open up a conversation Maybe on another episode um, But it's about Sexual coercion um, And I've been I want to talk about it because We talk a lot on the pod About Gen Z and their Annoying puritanical thought process Behind if they're 20 and you're 17 and you're fucking, they're a predator or they coerced you or something. And sometimes it can be the other way around and we True. don't talk about that. So here's a deep dive mistake about the time that I got accused of coercing someone into sex when I was 17 years old. Um, they were 20 or 20. They were 20 or 21. Um, Lived in my hometown. I think we met on Grindr, and we had, like, been talking for a while. They came over one night to hook up, and they had said before they got there that, like, they didn't want to have sex, but they were down to hook up. And I and I truly was, like, down for that. Yeah. And was like, okay, cool. That's fine. So we hooked up, and one thing led to another, and their dick ended up in my butt. Without a condom, might I add, and I think this just adds context to the murkiness of whether or not this was a coercive sexual experience, Um, but whatever, still. (laughs) They ended up inside of me, and we had sex. We both came. They like chilled for a little bit, then they left, and then like two days later, I got a text from them where they, like, were very upset and were like, "I, uh, uh, you know, I told you I didn't want to have sex and we had sex anyway and I feel like you pressured me into it, like, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like you coerced me. And I remember, like, because I was 17 and immature, just responding back and being like, LMAO, like, you're, in, like, you're older than me. Like, first of all, like, you're, like, way bigger than me and way taller than me. Like, if that had been the case, like, you could have like done something about it you're older than me like if anyone was going to coerce anyone it would be you coercing me like you're a fucking idiot Uh, i coerce you do you want to hang out again Um, you have a beautiful dick um and yeah and so we never hung out again i like saw that anytime i would see them after that i would kind of like go out of my way to make them uncomfortable because I was so incensed at the fact that they had said that to me and I didn't know how to handle it at 17 that I was like, I'm just going to make them uncomfortable. Um, and obviously looking back, it's like there totally was capacity for me there to coerce them into sex. I still don't see it that way. Um, I just see us as being like two horny people who fucked. And then maybe had, like, some regret about it after the fact. Mm. But there wasn't really any, like, verbal scenario where I was like, fuck me, I want you to fuck... J- right. I was on top of him making out with him, and then his dick was inside of me. Mm. And it was very that. <sighs> so, but, I mean, m- m- the mistake on my part, obviously, was the way that I handled it after the fact. I mean, now, if somebody coer- or accused me of being coercive or of... Having a weird sexual experience with me, even if I didn't remember it that way or feel that that was what had happened, I would still go out of my way to validate their feelings and their experience and make amends for it and make sure that they felt comfortable and that things were okay. Right. Um, And, you know, and to do my best to atone for that situation or to be held accountable for it. But at 17, no way. (laughs) <laughs> um. So yeah, that was, that's my deep dive About the time that I was accused of coercing someone into sex
1: Yeah, well listen I don't think that there are a lot of sexually active people In like our age group Like maybe Gen Z Because there's so much conversation about it now Is having a different experience And they're a lot less likely to coerce each other But like everyone in our age group Has definitely been coerced and coercive coerced, yeah in some way even yeah. if even if it's in ways that we haven't even really started unpacking as a society like you know there are ways that traditionally like women can be kind of coercive that we don't even really acknowledge as like a way like as a coercive thing like you know I think that there are often situations where people are like well we're not fucking tonight and then there's like we used to see it as, like, almost romantic and hot for us to say we're not fucking tonight and then for, like, one of us to still kind of, like, get our way. And if yeah. it's the girl, we never look at it as if it was, like, some kind of horrible thing that happened. Yeah. But when it's Aziz sorry, there's yeah. a- an article written about it. Oh, fuck
0: that girl. <laughs> oh my God. But no,
1: I mean, I think it's still a valid conversation to be had. I think that article missed the mark in, inc- in trying to include itself in the Me Too movement because it's, like... Uh. Kind of two different things to be like. Yeah, I was of... just
0: um, you don't, which actually relates
1: to this because <laughs>
0: uh, honestly, didn't have boundaries yeah. at that that person who accused. I mean, that's what I feel like that situation yeah. was. I was like, sounds like you just did not have any boundaries with yourself or Aziz, and you did not know how to advocate for yourself. Girl-y. Right,
1: and that sucks.
0: Yeah, sucks. But like,
1: but like, is a different conversation than when what Harvey Weinstein did, or yeah, you know, like... or
0: to like b- yeah, anyone who has been raped or coerced like f- actually coerced like right nothing even happened
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i think that was like a Sorry that a you lot were
0: coerced of- into a boner being on your back <laughs> i guess
1: a lot of people that was the problem with that whole situation is that a lot of people really empathized with that situation we've all been there in some capacity and then we were always like like at least me i was like girl i know doesn't that suck when that happens like <laughs> fuck that but also like You're really trying to come after this person's career? Yeah, that's how
0: I felt. I was like, you're embarrassing me and everyone (laughs) ever to live and to be born after. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Well, and that was
1: also the article, like, you know, kind of to validate, like, the fact, like, your experience of somebody else saying that something similar, like they saw it kind of similarly as maybe that girl saw the Aziz situation. Yeah, Like I, I remember distinctly when that article came out, that was, that was when all the men I knew started being like, Oh, so I guess we can't even like, I guess we can do nothing or whatever. Yeah. And I was a little bit annoyed by that. Cause I was like, well, you could just like start checking in more. <laughs> yeah. But I also like, I understand the panic around it because, uh, people were equating it with full-blown sexual assault yeah and there's like nary a person i know that hasn't done some version of coercion yeah. like that
0: i still want to know um was it that he just never texted her back after that date like what
1: <laughs> well so Camille Camille Nanjani's wife yeah um who is you know not a comedian but is very much like in the comedy world mm-hmm. and like writes a lot um Emily is her name right Emily I always forget her last name and I want to make sure I say it because I don't want to just say Kumail Nanjiani's wife Uh, um why why not well because I do actually like her Emily Gordon yes okay Emily Gordon um I want to make sure I credit her for her well you know what you're right um she wrote this article. Lisa, out, she wrote. <laughs> <laughs> she wrote this article a few or not even a few years ago, probably like 10 years ago now. Damn. My god, time flies. But she wrote this article a while ago about um that sometimes we just have bad sex and we don't need to like turn it into a whole thing. Yeah, I
0: mean, we've talked about this on episodes before, about the idea of, like, this new wave of Me Too bullshit (laughs) feminism trying to get you to reframe every shitty sexual experience you've had as traumatic. Uh,
1: Yeah, and, like, so basically, Emily had this article before the Me Too movement, mind you. Like, before, like, you know, it's not like that was her take on the Me Too movement. Yeah. But, like, a while ago, she just wrote this article being like, I'm a survivor of sexual trauma. A lot of people I know are. I am not at all trying to invalidate, like sexual trauma. But what I would love for us to unpack is what, like when you're coming forward about a traumatic experience, was it traumatic or did you just have a bad time? Yeah. And like, let's just be a little bit more discerning. Not, not just for the sake of the person you're accusing, like not just to save face for these people who are like being accused, Mm -hmm. but also for the sake of people who are coming forward about, more severe actual exactly. traumatic experiences. Snap snap. Uh, um, because you are diluting the conversation a yes, little bit. Yes,
0: you're, you're making the pool real fucking murky, bitch.
1: And that's not to let any of us off the hook for any coerci- coercive behaviors we've had in the past. Like I'm not. I'm not saying all this to be like. And therefore, Nika, you did nothing no, wrong. I,
0: and I did t- totally. And I think like Aziz acted weirdly as well. Yeah. I just don't. I think that. You know, any time that I have been in a coercive sexual experience where I've been the one coerced, and it's been a lot of them as, like, a younger person. Yeah. I look back at them now, and I'm like, nearly every, one, almost every single one of those situations was coercive because I didn't have boundaries, and I didn't know how to advocate for myself. Yeah. So it's like, I knew I was uncomfortable in the moment, and I just thought that fucking your way through it was what you did yeah and it's you know and that sucks but that is like just a lesson that you have to learn yeah and something like the aziz ansari situation just i think there were a lot of factors at play there and i know that like you know she didn't her name wasn't published under it but i'm just like what like what were you trying to get out of that yeah quite frankly my opinion on that um because i i remember reading that article and just being like and so that happened 10 times and you still stayed like yeah. you were still there yeah. like i what an uber would have been called by now
1: yeah it's- it sounds like aziz
0: Ansari just didn't have great fucking People skills. People or- <laughs> skills in that situation.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like it's a little bit of all all factors, you know, like I think we talk a lot in this culture. We First of all, we talk so much about sexual assault through the lens of like it's something that men do to women. And there's so much lost in that scope. Like, first of all, men do it to men. Women do it to women. Men Women do it to men. Yeah. Non-binary people are also involved <laughs> in on both ends. Like it's, we're a little bit too reductive, I think, about like, you know, especially with like, specifically when we're talking about rape culture, everyone's like, just teach your boys not to rape, not your girls how to not get raped, you know? Like, it's that simple. And it's like, it's actually not not that that simple. simple. Like,
0: no, maybe we should just teach all of us how to advocate for ourselves sexually. And And how to
1: respect other people. Like, we need to... the, The lesson about consent in general that needs to be learned is that we need to have firmer boundaries with ourselves and know how to advocate for ourselves. And we need to know how to see and recognize and respect other people's firm boundaries. Yeah, It's both things. And then also, obviously, there's just some fucking monsters out there who, uh, like, abuse their power, whether it's political, social, or physical power, mm-hmm. and victimize people. And, like, once again, like, Harvey Weinstein is, like, a the most recent... And like uh Jeffrey Epstein, like these are people who we have like it's like, okay, that's a monster. But there's a lot of normal people who have violated each other's boundaries unknowingly or or at least not understanding exactly the severity of what they were doing. Yeah. And we talk about it as if that's like not part of that conversation. I and know. as if the people as if everyone involved In these situations, it can be um, categorized so simply as, like, the monster and the victim. And the more we keep fucking each other, which time has told us that that's never going to stop, we might as well just start examining it from, like, a more realistic point of view. Yeah. We got to really get over our idealistic sweeping generalizations
0: yeah i mean like make a sorry, answer for his crimes of um catapulting lena waith into fame and <laughs> how about nothing else
1: <laughs> then we will talk
0: then we will talk with that recognizable voice he that fucking you fucking gave us her and then just faded away like, can you take her back
1: isn't that there's a new episode of or new season of master, master of, of none of yeah i out, never right? watched the
0: second one but i, I don't need think to. i did either but i loved the first i mean season. it's an incredible show yeah
1: Anyway, so, um, your coercive Uh. mistake. Let's see. That relates to, um, today's best mistake. Best mistake. Um, which is the New York City 1977 blackout. Um, that relates, I guess, in that, um... (laughs) A lot of different factors contributed to an event that, um, in retrospect, everyone had a little bit of a different opinion as to why it happened that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And ultimately, uh, as a society, we've progressed past a lot of the things that made it possible but it still keeps happening.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, and that by by it still keeps happening, I am, of course, talking about coercive sex and... Um, blackouts. Blackouts. Okay, oh, so the goodness. New York City blackout of 1977 is the most famous blackout in history, pretty much, um, unless I am just completely unaware of a more famous one elsewhere. But it's at least the most famous one in America. Hey,
0: Snopes, can you fact check that? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Maybe there's a more famous one in, like, China that I don't know about, but I can't be that famous. I don't know about it. <laughs> um.
0: <laughs> it didn't happen here, so
1: <laughs> so the New York the. Let me paint a picture of what New York City was like in 1977. So 1977 is when New York is kind of at its like you know the the New York that our parents remember. Like, I, I feel like, I don't know about anyone else who lives in New York who moved here from somewhere else, but a lot of us in our generation, our parents are, like, nervous for us to move to New York because when they were, like, teenagers or in their 20s, New York was, like, crime central and just, like, chaos. And for a lot of older people, that's, like, what New York is just in their mind forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, like, kind of, New York in 1977 is, like, the peak of that, like, Son of Sam is happening in 1977 of just random serial killer wandering around New York killing brunette women. Wow. That's what? That's cool. Oh, did you not know about Son of Sam?
0: No, but I'm going to go look into it after this episode's over.
1: So Son of Sam is a very fascinating serial killer case where he, it's like, you you have, you definitely do know about it. I've you heard just,
0: the name Son of Sam. Yeah,
1: but. he's the one that would write letters to the the reporter who was reporting on it like and and the detectives he would write letters to them specifically and like play games with them kind of and oh, so like okay. movies love to kind of um Uh, like the movie Seven Mm -hmm. kind of references that, where it's like little messages about like why he's doing it and who's next and why they're not going to find him, that kind of stuff. And a lot of serial killers did not engage so heavily with the media and with the police officers to that extent. So Son of Sam was like particularly taunting to the people of New York City. Like New York was living in utter fear in 1977. Also, every article that I read about the blackout mentioned son of sam so it's like i'm not even the one that's being like and so you gotta understand (laughs) new york was already on edge it's like no every single like this is like um a lot of people kind of credit the like high intensity fear that was already in people for some of the chaos that ensued when even just a little bit of the facade fell of of society which um Another huge proponent, though, separate of Son of Sam, because Son of Sam was honestly instilling fear more in like the white middle class than anyone else because mm-hmm. he was targeting white women. So not everyone was terrified of Son of Sam. Everyone like everyone else was like, OK, that sucks, but whatever. But what the other communities were facing was like an intense socioeconomic racial divide, which to this day exists in New York City, but was tenfold in the 70s. Um, for a lot of different reasons. But one of them being that New York City in the 70s was in an incredible amount of financial debt. Mm -hmm. And so the city, the resources of the city were like almost non-existent. Like there were, I mean, a good example, which is like not necessarily the resources anybody wanted more of anyway. But the NYPD was like way down in numbers because they were so many budget cuts that they were like laying off a lot of officers to kind of show... Because you know how much the city loves funding the police. So if the police are being laid off, like imagine all the cuts that happened before that, you know? Yeah. So like um, city resources were... And a complete all-time low because the city was in all this debt and um, the uh, president Ford at the time was, like, completely unwilling to help New York City. And there was this kind of general culture in America of seeing New York City as this, like, dumpster fire that, like, Mm -hmm. nobody wanted to save from itself because it got itself there by being this, like, you know... um, Social democracy, unfortunately, is how people saw it because New York used to have like public hospitals and it had free college and it had all these like socialist uh, programs that for many reasons, not all related to a failure on like the socialism side, um, all kind of crumbled in on itself. And then it was very hard for the city to come out of like the financial ruin that everyone else, like the more conservative parts of the country kind of saw as like, well, that's what you get when you try to have your like hippie oasis, you know? Um, so the president was like, LOL, have fun. Your federal loan is denied. And there's like a really famous, um, New York post headline that says, um, Oh my God. I wish I remembered the exact headline, but basically that like Ford says to New York, drop dead, basically. (laughs) Um, Like, so New York was, like, floundering completely on its own. And as a result of that, the most vulnerable populations of New York were um, being completely abandoned. Mm -hmm. And so people who were already poor or already um, marginalized were, like, even more so neglected by the city. Um, So between that... And um, the son of Sam, Sam, Panic. And then also, it was summer in New York City, which is, I think, can drive anybody crazy. New York City summers are some of the most brutal things that you can experience. You're
0: either really horny or you want to shoot someone (laughs) or both. And that happens. Um, And
1: it happened to be, this particular evening on June 13th, 1977, happened to be in the middle of an intense heat wave. (sighs) Um, so, you know, culturally things are already pretty on edge in New York City, but now, um, it's like humid and hot as fuck and the power goes out in the entire city. And the way that the power goes out is that there are, there's this like electrical grid that, um, for a long time, one of the main sources of the whole New York City electrical grid was right outside of Yonkers um called the, like the Indiana like or, the, or not the Indiana the Indian something like the Indian uh gener- not generator but power source whatever mm-hmm. it gets hit twice by lightning um in a like hour span and those two um strikes <laughs> so lightning does strike twice y'all <laughs> um made made it so that um Con Edison which was the company that ran the power at the time and still is to this day and is one of the most evil fucking corrupt, horrible companies ever. Um, They had this like really short window to try to like uh, damage control what they knew was about to be like a pretty severe power outage. They didn't, they didn't foresee necessarily that all of New York city was about to go out, but they were like, Oh this whole electrical grid is now compromised because the main source of it just got Mm -hmm. fucked by lightning. Um, So this is in the seven, this was in the seventies. So they didn't really have like computer systems yet to take care of everything. It was kind of all like just people working at these different power supply plants throughout the city communicating with each other via, like, walkie-talkie and, like, Mm -hmm. telephone. Um, And by walkie-talkie, I mean radio. But, you know, like, Mm -hmm. uh, so now it's, like, computers communicate with each other, and it's much faster, and there's less room for human error. Mm -hmm. But at the time, they were all just kind of, like, talking over radio about, like, "Uh uh-oh, something bad is about to happen. Um, When Con Con Edison had about 15 minutes to go to be able to avert the crisis, um, its system operator did not allow for what they call like minor power failures, which aka means just putting the making the electricity go out in poor neighborhoods to like mm-hmm. to save it for the rest of the city. And so that was like what they were quote unquote supposed to do. And that's something that ConEd still does to this day when there's a power like shortage or there's some reason why their grid isn't working correctly, the first thing they do is like cut the power supply to like Crown Heights. Oh My god. And that happened a lot last summer actually because we had a couple of short small power outages. Um last summer. Yeah,
0: I lived in Crown Heights last summer, I remember.
1: Yes. And they were unable to do that this time because um, when the dispatcher was requesting, basically put the power out briefly in certain places for limited amounts of time mm-hmm. so that we don't have to live through the entire city blacking out and us completely losing our window of time to fix anything. Um, They were unable to do that because they all just kind of disagreed about whether they should do that or not. I don't know if that was a mistake. I think it's kind of cool, that some people were like, no. Um, But now, you can't even say no. Because of this uh, power outage, there is now, like, a rule in place in Con Edison, where if your superior tells you to do something in a situation like this, you just have to do it, or you're fired, basically. And it's literally because of the 1977 power outage that that is, like, part of Con Edison's, like, rules and regulations. Um, And then, like, The biggest thing that people criticize Con Edison for and their failings and mistakes in this situation is that um, they failed to tap the reserve power from gas turbines um, situated at several stations throughout the city um, because when the turbines were needed, they could not be used because all of the employees at all of the stations had already gone home for the day. Wow. So now that's not possible because, first of all, those turbines are um, controlled by computers and not people. But the people who control those computers, there's always at least one person like 24 hours a day there. Mm -hmm. Um, That hasn't stopped New York City from blacking out again multiple times since 1977. But they've been much less severe blackouts because there's like they now know not to just send an entire department home. (laughs) for, like, backup reserve power. So that's, like, how... Like, the mistakes that led to the blackout happening were basically all human errors and miscommunications and failure to, like, have a system in place for if and when this happens, this is what we should do. Because the last blackout in 1965, before that, um, was a blackout that was not caused... For just the city grid, it was like a larger northeastern blackout, mm-hmm. but it, it like hit New York City harder. But also, it didn't last as long, and it's like known as the time that like New York City really came together during this blackout. Like everyone really had each other's back. Yeah, when
0: it was a socialist uh, funded city. Hmm.
1: <laughs> also, it happened during the day, which oh, I think yeah. is like a
0: huge. How long did the blackout here last in 77?
1: Um, Like, basically a full day and a Uh, half-ish.
0: And then there was one again in, what, the 90s or 80s? So,
1: yeah, there have been a few since then. But let's just talk about the events.
0: Yeah, sorry. And then I'll tell you about
1: the subsequent blackouts. So the events of that evening, basically, um, on June 13th at around, like... I, I guess the the first lightning strike was at eight thirty seven p.m. The second lightning strike oh it's called the Indian Point by the way the electricity okay. like, uh, whatever it's called, <laughs> the um PowerPoint or whatever PowerPoint the power plant yeah. <laughs> the PowerPoint Somebody just pulls down a fucking projector screen. Um, the second lightning strike was at eight fifty five p.m. So it's literally like fifteen minutes apart. Mm-hmm. Um and at 9:14 p.m., over 30 minutes uh from the initial s- lightning strike, the um New York Power Pool Operations called for Con Edison operators to shed load, which is what they call blacking out just certain neighborhoods. Okay. That failed to happen. Um at 9:19 9, p.m., the final major interconnection to New- upstate New York um, to New York City. Uh hold on. God, there's so many like like this whole article likes to tell me how many volts something happened at. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. But basically, um by 1922 PM, um like all of the systems that they were trying to it, like enforce to avoid the subsequent blackout mm-hmm. um were clearly failing or had failed to even been executed mm-hmm. and it was like okay well here we go so basically 9:30 p.m. is when the blackout just fucking strikes the entirety of New York City with the exception of the like rockaways because they were actually part of the Long Island power grid, even though they're technically part of New York City. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's a few, there was a few luxury buildings that had their own generators, so they were fine. And um, Pratt, the Pratt Institute um, had its own generator. So those were the only exceptions. And the rest of all of New York City blacked out. Um, About 4,000 people were evacuated from the subway system. Wow. Um, And what, what proceeded to happen was that literally within ten minutes of the blackout? Because it happened at night, and so like it wasn't like, oh, I guess our power went out, but it's five p.m., so we're just kind of slowly going to fade into darkness. It was just like we're a, we are a functional city until all of a sudden we are completely in darkness. Wow! And it took ten minutes for the looting to start. Oh my god! And every firsthand account that like you know I could I read about were people that were like they could literally just feel it go from, like, we're a civilization to, like, Lord of the Flies. Jesus. Like, it was, like, something in the air changed to the point where there was no exceptions. Like, there wasn't, like, oh, but I'm a teacher, so I'm not gonna do it. Like, literally everybody, no matter how recognizable they were in their given community, or, like, what, like, kind of, like, you know, um, moral ground they're supposed to uphold, everybody participated. Except for, like, you know, the people who just stayed home. But if you were in the streets... You were looting, essentially, wow. was the vibe.
0: Oh, my God, that's sick.
1: I know! I actually also <laughs> I think wish it's I sick. I was there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does remind me a little bit of, like, w- we saw a version of that last summer. Oh, Not to the same extent at yeah. all. But I remember walking through Manhattan last summer after it had been looted, um, like, the day the um, curfew was enforced. Yeah. The first night that the curfew was enforced and everyone broke it to go loot lululemon oh my god
0: that's so funny i wish i'd been there
1: (laughs) oh my god wait you were there that night that's the night you got arrested so you didn't get to see yeah that's right the looting (laughs) happened right like literally an hour after i got arrested the looting happened yeah (laughs) like i got so you got arrested and like you know we got separated (laughs) and so i got to see the looting happen on my walk back to the train and it was honestly so satisfying i do i want to say i want to clarify i do genuinely feel horrible for the people whose businesses were looted when they were just like a family-owned business, Mom and Poppy, yes. yeah. Like I, I like because a lot, but of- not
0: Soho, which is where. You, yes, I, mean, I was you in were. Soho, so I, don't know I, why d- I just pointed the mic. <laughs> you have your own mic.
1: <laughs> you were like, tell us about the looting in Soho. <laughs> um, but it was like, you know, it was a little bit horrifying because of the police presence and like just by being, I, we were a little bit afraid that by just walking through the looting, you would be we would arrested. be like arrested. And we were like, we we're just trying to get to the train to go home. Yeah. But we were also like rooting for the people that were looting. Yeah. We were like that kind of fucking rocks. So it was
0: like I, I remember driving through Soho after I got out of one PP at like four yeah. in the morning and being like, wh- and I didn't know it'd been looted and being like, what the, fuck happened? Yeah. While What's I funny is that like was in a cell.
1: <laughs> I didn't really see a lot of businesses that had been really looted so much as they their windows had just been like broken. Yeah, that's what
0: I saw. I saw a lot yeah. of smashed windows in Soho.
1: Yeah, looting still happened for sure, but it wasn't like this. Like we're we're we need these things. It was more like, fuck the corporations, fuck the America that made all of this possible. Like, I want Lululemon to have to pay for a new window Not more the, than it was like, we want leggings. It just know? made me
0: think of the people in Portland who looted um, a bunch of places last summer and there's a video of this guy and this girl just walking, very calmly walking out with uh, like two cakes in their hands. <laughs> just like trotting out.
1: <laughs> um, And so, so by the time um the like, all was said and done. It was about 1,600 stores were damaged in the looting and rioting, which I honestly, like, I know that's a lot. But I in my head, like, they made it act like New York City is in complete disarray. And yeah. the photos at, like, certain neighborhoods were for sure fucking ruined. But 1,600 doesn't sound like a lot to me. Anyway. Also... Only about 4,000 people were arrested, which is a lot of fucking people. But think about how big New York City is yeah, and how many people were looting.
0: That's like one neighborhood. That's not even one neighborhood.
1: Right. It's, but it was still um, a record number of arrests in one night at that point. Why has this
0: not been made into a movie yet?
1: I know. Um, so because there were so many people being arrested, the cops... Oh, also, and it must be, like I said earlier, the cops were um, at a like complete all-time low, both numbers-wise and morale-wise, wow. because they there had just been an insane number of layoffs. So when this emergency was happening and they called in all the off-duty cops, almost. None None of them came in. Oh, wow. Because they were like, you just fired like my best friend or whatever. And also like, you know, fuck you. Like, they are whole... so
0: useless. They
1: really are. Uh-huh. But I also think like back then, some of those cops were also looting in my mind. I'm like, that must have been part of why they didn't come in. They're like, I actually need to go get a new TV. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's my own personal theory. Um, but yeah, these cops were like, absolutely the fuck not. We're coming in. Um, so... There was like a very limited number of cop cars available because there's a limited number of cops driving them. And there was like a limited number of cops even able to arrest people, which all of this to me is a good thing and is iconic. But to give you an idea of what the cops on duty were kind of dealing with as far as the orders they were given and what they had to like what they had to make do with the low numbers is that they were arresting so many people at a time with so few cop cars at a time that they were putting three people in the back seat and two people in the trunk
0: oh my god
1: to arrest them
0: oh my lord
1: isn't that fucking insane that is
0: psychotic
1: yeah Including and often they were piling up the things that people had looted like on top of them. Oh, my God. So, because they like couldn't just leave those things in the street, I guess. Wow. So there were so many people arrested, which I mean, cops are useless and that's fine. I also am like, if I were a cop, I would have just been like, no. I'm not dealing with this. Yeah, (laughs) but I also would never be a cop, so I guess that's where we differ, and that's and that's why they were like, for sure, yes, sir. Let's put these people in trunks and then have too many. There was not enough room in the city jails for how many people were arrested, so they were putting people in like the basements of like courthouses and stuff and abandoned like not jails that had not been used in years and years because like they had made a new one or whatever. So there were a bunch of people. Like shoved in like sardines into these like abandoned jail cells and basements and they were getting bitten by like rats and stuff. Oh yeah. Um so basically uh but the cops of course were like it's mayhem, it's anarchy, these people are crazy, like, they're turning into animals. And so they all anticipated that by morning, like, by sunrise, they were going to have to go out into the street and basically do, like, a whole cleanup of dead bodies. They went out there, and not a single person had died during the lootings. Wow. People had died during the blackout for other reasons. Um, One person was shot in a park because... um, They were, like, a mobster, and mobsters took advantage of the blackout to, like, take advantage of each other, basically. I love that. So there was, like, a mob shooting that happened in one of the parks, (laughs) and there was um, some people that died that were, like, you know, needed electricity for their, like, medical care. Yeah. But nobody... Not one person died due to the lootings. So what a lot of people took away from that was that this is so clearly not human beings turning into animals when the power went out. It is disadvantaged, like marginalized members of the community trying to seize power back from the corporations and the businesses. Yes. That were helping holding, helping hold them down, which is pretty much exactly the mentality of the looting that happened last summer. A
0: sickle re- just appeared on Anya's forehead for anyone who's not in the room. of <laughs> what? Like the communist symbol. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. And... Uh, and unfortunately, just like the lootings last summer, there was un- like a little bit of displaced rage at each other's own community businesses. Yeah. Un- unfortunately, the hardest hit businesses during the 1977 blackouts were the businesses in Bushwick, Bed-Stuy and Harlem. Huh. And most of them were owned by fellow community members. Yeah. But a ton of businesses were also hit in like, <clears throat> you know, da- like the more like um, corporate parts of Manhattan. Um So, like, it's not, like, it was, it's kind of, like, how the majority of lootings last summer were at Target and, like, like I said, like, Lululemon and, like, Supreme and stuff like that. Yeah. But then a few people also had, like, the bar that they worked their whole lives to, like, open get burned down. Like, it was kind of the same thing where it's, like, unfortunately, during this kind of revolutionary fuck the man moment there are
0: casualties there were
1: casualties but you know what the only reason that those casualties are casualties is because of those people needing to survive in this fucked up system yeah. and the way that they were surviving was 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 with this business yeah you know like i'm sure they did love their businesses too and it was like uh like their passion and stuff that was taken away from them but a lot of them the reason it was fucking their entire life up is for the same reasons that these people were looting in the first place, which is that they were being like held prisoner in this system that was failing them Mm -hmm. and continues to, to this day. Um, But yeah, so there was also like in this frenzy, a lot of arson was committed, which also kind of reminds me of last summer a little bit um, where there was just like some kind of needless fires that were set rather than, um just looting a TD bank and being done with it, these fires obviously spread and like hurt people, people's homes and stuff too. So apparently during the um blackout, between Wednesday night and Friday night of that week, which is like the duration of the blackout, mm-hmm. um, the fire department fought 130 or 1037 fires. Wow. Um, which is almost as many stores were looted as there were fires set. Wow. Um, uh, so there was an estimated... By the time all was said and done, they estimated that the damage came out to around um, $310 million.
0: For back then or today?
1: For back then. Okay. Um, and the city was eventually given $11 million by the Carter administration to pay for the damages, which wow. is doesn't even make a real dent in it. Yeah. No. Um, and it was not until 10 39 PM on July 14th that the entire city's power was back online. So wow. it was over 20, it was 25 hours essentially. Wow. Um, con ed called the shutdown an act of God And Mayor Beam, who was the mayor at the time, um, was, like, really fucking pissed that they said that because, in his opinion, it was um, an act of their gross negligence. Mm -hmm. But as he was having his upset—like, as he was upset at Con Edison, the rest of the city was kind of upset at him that even, like— Like, the fact that one company is in charge of all the power Mm -hmm. in the first place, which is still the problem with New York City and with most cities, the fact that it's, like, monopolized like that is actually what caused this being a problem. And also, he was just kind of a shitty mayor in general. And they were like, we're in, like, we were even in this position in the first place because you've left us to die out here. And so, like, had we been well-fed, like, happy citizens of your beautiful city, if the power went out, we would have just acted like everyone did in 1965. It didn't come out of a vacuum that people were like, cool, let's fucking like get our hands on any kind of material wealth because we have no upward mobility without this opportunity. Um, There is a kind of like urban legend that is like disputed, whether this is fact or kind of like mythologized fiction. But there is a claim that the 1977 blackout is actually the catalyst of the entire hip-hop movement in New York City because all of these people who were um, talented and wanted to get into disc jockeying, which was, you know, the beginning of hip-hop, the people who were interested in that didn't have the means or money to actually get their hands on the equipment. And so they say that it was actually the looting that... Put those materials in so many like young talented people's hands. Oh wow,
0: that would be cool if that's true.
1: Yeah, there's so there's it's kind of like different artists from that time have different opinions on whether that's true or not. But there still has not been an artist to come forward and say that was the case for them. Okay, you know, so like that's why people are like, we don't know if that's actually true because literally all of the prolific artists that came out of that time have their own story about like how they like saved up for their equipment or whatever. Well, yeah, but I
0: mean that's but a that's the better better thing, but that's the say. thing. I, yeah, I looted it.
1: Yeah, but I'm all, I'm like, is it a much better story? I would, oh, yeah, I think that, it's fucking like yeah. badass if somebody if that's how they like were Same. able to um get into that. But you know, it's still it's still just a sad reflection of our fucking system that like you can have this like talent and this interest and this passion and it takes like these huge strikes of luck, whether it be that you were able to save up for it with some job that you got or the blackout was able to get you to, like, be able to loot it. Either way, what a shame. I
0: know. That
1: these, like, the people that, like, and to this day, that's the case, too. Like, people that could just be really prolific and talented in this thing if they just had the resources need to wait for some kind of, like, monetary uh, opportunity to even, like, get their foot in the door. That's just shitty as fuck. Um, But it would be really cool if that's how hip hop started, which some people claim that's how it started. Um, Anyway, so the following mayoral election was, like, hugely impacted by this event. Um, Mayor Beam was not reelected because everyone was like, the city is literally in shambles, and it's your fault. So he was um beaten by Edward Koch, who served three terms and was one of like the most like most popular mayors in New York history and is credited for pulling New York out of like its disarray. however, that like is it really depends how you look at it because he was also like kind of a radical centrist who a huge part of him like whipping New York back into shape was just like um funding the nypd Mm. and um kind of assisting in gentrification and stuff like that so it's like "Mm, did you help new york city or did you just like change
0: beautified it
1: right yes um and i think that can be most exemplified in the fact that he is known for uh endorsing rudy giuliani yeah And also endorsing George W. Bush for president. And he was a Democratic mayor. (laughs) But, okay. Um, And so, um, some other, like, interesting things, like, some little, like, tidbits about um, the blackout is um, there was a baseball game happening when it happened. (laughs) And at Shea Stadium with the Mets, and it was the bottom of the sixth inning, um, and the New York Mets were losing two to one against the Chicago Cubs. And um, I guess because they didn't know that the blackout was going to, like, last for a full day, they tried to wait it out for a couple hours and, like, had people just, like, playing music and stuff for the stadium. Um, And then they finally were like, okay, I guess everyone should go home. So first of all, I think it's so funny that if you were in Shea Stadium and you were like, oh, I guess, like, the power went out at Shea Stadium, we should go home. And you just, like, walk out into the street after, like, several hours of looting has been happening. I just think it's a very funny, like bubble that all those people were in. Yeah. Um, and then also they had to, um, they had to finish the game two months later on September 16th. That's so funny. <laughs> um, and the Cubs won. I don't know. No, that means nothing to me, but I, I don't care about baseball at all. But I think that's just like a funny, like little micro experience of the blackout. Mm. Um, and... Um, there's one other fact that I thought was interesting that I might oh yeah the hip hop thing oh um, the blackout also caused complications for the producers of the film Superman who were shooting in New York City at the time huh. and they um, obviously couldn't keep shooting until the city was like no longer completely demolished oh my god um, and so that movie had to like wait for like it It was the uh, premiere took a lot longer um, and, oh, and on the exact date of the 42nd anniversary on July ninth or July 13th, 2019, there was another Con, Con Edison blackout affecting 73,000 people on Manhattan's west side. Oh my God. Um, and there have been, that was like, there was, uh a notable blackout that happened in um 2003 yes, for all that's of Manhattan. the one I remember yeah and all of the blackouts since the 1977 blackout have been um handled technically much better because of all the lessons they learned but a lot of like 100% of them include some kind of failure that was still a failure that happened in 1977 so they didn't like really learn that much and they continue to they continue to keep claiming all this like you know look at what a better company we are now and like how much we don't let the like the city of New York uh Like, we don't fail the city of New York the way we did in 1977, because, like, look at how rare it is for blackouts to happen now and how quickly they come back on when when they do happen. And it's like, y'all, the only reason that's true is or among the reasons that's true is because you continue to fail specific neighborhoods and, like, sacrifice their comfort and sometimes their lives Um, For the sake of the rest of the city. So like that is not actually a success story. And I'm not going to be impressed until you stop doing that. And have a better system where you're not like killing elderly people in Crown Heights who need the power on for like air conditioning. Yeah. um, Among other (laughs) neighborhoods. Um, So my sources were an An article that came out in 2002 um, with the New York Times called The Summer of 77 by Jonathan Mahler. Also an article from the New York Times from 1987 called 10 Years After New York Blackout, Lessons Learned. Um, And uh, a YouTube video called New York Blackout of 1977 that seemed like it was from a documentary that might be called the same thing, but it was really hard for me to figure out who to exactly credit for that video. But it's a very interesting video and it's got like a lot of really interesting firsthand accounts, including one from a sex worker who is saying that um, when the blackout hit, she was in the middle of giving a blowjob to a client. <laughs> and that's like for some reason that's included so in that video with no other context, like not like what they had to do or like they're like, they're like, here's just a woman saying I was giving a blowjob to a client and then the power went out. And I was oh, like, that's kind of iconic that uh, they just like include that snippet. <laughs> I love that. Um, so, yeah that is the blackout of 1977. There's a lot of people who claim you know, like people don't not a lot of people and I think this is also kind of the reason why nobody's come forward about um if it's true that that's how like DJing became more accessible. Um very few people are like willing to admit what they looted or if they looted that night. Mm-hmm. So there's like um a lot of really interesting firsthand accounts of people who are like children of people who were there that night who are like yeah like my dad who was like pretty poor his whole life like has this really really expensive watch that he's super protective of that he says he got in the 70s and you know like there's like a lot of like that kind of like lore around it where like people like their parents tell them that they just stayed home that night but like there's like these weird expensive like family heirlooms (laughs) that they like don't know where they came from. That's really funny. And then there's also people who fully admit what they did like and what like like there's people who are like proud of like that's how I got my like super nice Camaro. Yeah. I love that.
0: That's so funny. Yeah.
1: Um. So yeah, that's the blackout of 1977 which I never knew that much about. But I think it's for me the most iconic like badass thing about all of it is that nobody was killed during the looting. So like the the news and the media and everybody trying to make it out to be, like, these, like, thugs and thieves, like, they, they were not given the satisfaction of, like, being proven right that these people were, like, these, like, horrible, like, murderers. Yeah. Um, however... In America, we value property more than we value people. So there was still the the opinion of basically the entire United States is like, see, look at these like crazy people in New York City, like they can't even.
0: Whatever the rest of this country is a fucking cesspool. So I don't want like, to hear it.
1: Oh, my God, um, and it's New also York. extremely, extremely racially informed how this was covered at the time, like. Because it was kind of considered to be that it was white businesses that were being looted by black people, which both things are not entirely true. There were plenty of black businesses looted, plenty of white looters, plenty of other races present on both sides, too. Um, But that was like, you know, especially not even especially in the seventies, this is still the case, but you know, in the seventies, there was a lot to be gained for like the white media to continue to be like, look at these thugs the way that they still do to this day. Um, and especially about like New York city and, um, like the kind of opinion of the, the citizens of New York city at the time. Um, it, it behooved, for example, the um both the the Ford administration and the Carter administration to point at this as an example of why New York City shouldn't get federal money to get out of debt. Because they're like, look, look at like you can't even control your people. Yeah. Like, why would we give you money? And it's like, okay, well, because we're still citizens of the United States and we need your help, fucking yeah. asshole.
0: More love- My moral of the story would just be that our everything should be nationalized.
1: Yeah, because
0: uh, that would never happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think it's it's really like there's so many different morals of the story to be taken away from this particular story. Like there's so many different things at play. I think that the the use of people's suffering and people's disenfranchisement to like to like make. Uh, to, like, politicize and lobby for different things. Like, you know, like, the reason the looting even happened is because these people were completely abandoned and failed by the government. Yeah. And then the very same government that abandoned and failed them was like, see, this is why we can't take care of you. Also, there's a lot of, like, racial components to this story. Um, and that goes hand in hand with what I just said, obviously, too. Um, And unfortunately, that moral continues to not really be heard. heard. That's like continues to be the (laughs) a pretty big point of uh, contention, (laughs) Uh, even without a power outage. We had plenty of um, very similar complaints. Complaint is not a strong enough word. But, you know, we we continue to have very similar issues with our government and the way that it particularly continues to fail black and brown people um, and like pretends that that's not what it's doing mm-hmm. by being like, no, it's because this city is a disaster. Like, no, it's because whatever, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, I do, yeah. um, but yeah, to me, the moral of the story is truly that, um, we need to stop valuing property over people. If like, if we had a, any kind of, like, grip on that reality um, back in the day or even still, what would have happened would have been, like, damn, seems like these people are really desperate and, like, unhappy. Yeah. We should help them. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, it was, like, people were condemned for their own poverty, which continues to fucking happen, too. Um. Yeah, the moral of the story is that it would be absolutely, uh it, I would have loved to be a fly on the wall for the catharsis that people were probably feeling that night. Same. Burning the city to the ground, quite literally.
0: Yeah, I would love to have been there too. Yeah. Well, but it's unfortunate
1: that it was even, that maybe, that's what it came to. Maybe you there'll know? be another
0: crazy blackout. Who knows?
1: We'll see. I mean, I think it's crazy that there was a blackout, um like, Literally on the anniversary two years yeah.
0: ago. Yeah, that's psycho. <laughs>
1: um, I remember it happening. I lived here when it happened. But I just also, I did not live in the, in the part of the city that blacked out. So I would remember the coverage of it. And I remember if you went, if you like, I don't live on the New Jersey side because it's on the west side. Mm-hmm. But if you were on the New Jersey side of the city, there was all these really cool pictures of like all of Manhattan being like lit until the like upper west side, basically. Wow. Yeah. It was pretty interesting. Anyway, but yeah, moral of the story is that we're absolutely continually abandoned and um, that the New York City mayor has too much power. Uh, Yeah, that's for sure. That is, no mayor should uh, have that much control over that many people's lives. We got to figure that out. Agreed. That's it. All right. Um. Yeah. Write us your mistakes. Have you been responsible for the blackout of an entire city? <laughs> if, if you worked at Con Edison in 1977, come on the pod. Tell us about that dumpster you were, fire. Right, if
0: you looted,
1: oh my god, no, let us know. Truly. but that is not a mistake. Let's yeah, first no. and foremost but that, just let us know. That's rad. And let us know. Yeah, if you or like your parents or if you, you know didn't anyone,
0: loot, that's a mistake. And let us know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. Yeah
0: and you yeah uh, write
1: write us write, write us your looting story or your parents looting story. I feel like we must have people whose parents lived in New York City at the time. Yeah, I'm sure. Or maybe even a listener who but you know our our demo does not reflect that we have that many listeners of that age group, but hey, if you're listening and you looted New York City in 1977, we want to hear from you. Ew. <laughs> at, what did you loot?
0: Right, or call us in. Right in at bestmistakespod at gmail.com.
1: Oh, my God. There's also a really interesting video on YouTube where it's just an hour of um, radio coverage from that night.
0: Oh. And I listened
1: to some of it, and it was, like, pretty interesting how the radio host kept trying to keep it light and, like, make little jokes about, like, it'll all be better soon, as it, like, they clearly were just, like, getting more and more, like, horrifying news about, like, the city just... Because now that we know that, like... Nobody really died. And unfortunately, yes, some, like, family-owned businesses were burned to the ground or whatever. And, like, definitely some individuals' lives were ruined, and that sucks. But, like, ultimately, it was, like, not the end of the world what had happened that night. Yeah. Um, now that we know that, we can talk about it with some levity. But, like, in the moment, I'm sure people yeah, were no fucking knew. horrified and oh, did I'm not sure. know what was about to happen. And also, that there wasn't the internet or Twitter, so they couldn't, like see from the outside looking in like what was happening everywhere they could only really account for like the block in Bushwick that they were in or like yeah. but um, so I'm sure it was just like it, it was if you were not personally looting or if you were looting but like you know we're trying to just mind your business and you knew other people were like lighting fires and shit I just I'm sure it was like terrifying to be like oh my god is my fucking apartment gonna get burned down tonight some some people just did that sucks But, yeah, there's a whole interesting map that you can look up. If you live in New York City, it's much more interesting, probably, or if you have lived in New York City, where you can see exactly, like, which buildings were burned down and, like, which, like, stretches of, like, businesses were the most looted. Mm -hmm. And, like, the Broadway, like, the Broadway in Brooklyn that separates Bushwick and Bed-Stuy, um was like that that entire strip of businesses were like looted and burned down oh. and it's interesting because i live really close to that and so like i yeah. walk down there all the time and i'm like i didn't even like in my head the looting was like happening in manhattan yeah you know but obviously it was happening everywhere that makes total sense it just never even really occurred to me so look up that but yeah write us into the pod best pod at gmail.com Follow us at Best Mistakes Pod. Support the pod on Anchor. Yes,
0: if you if you would if like to. If you are to. so inclined,
1: um, follow us at Anya Volts at, at Nicola Lamazzo. And new episodes every Thursday. Kiss your friends on the mouth. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>